Hello and welcome to the Home Wrecker Podcast. I am the Golden Greek, Alex Arion. I am joined as always by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing trophy wife and certified hypnotherapist, the lovely Monique. Monique, how are you? Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Wonderful. And I just did the thing I asked you not to do. <laughs> <laughs> With the microphone. With the darn microphone. <sighs> My goodness. Now, what you gonna do? What you gonna do, brother? That's right. That's exactly what I had in my head as I said it, it. Of course it is. Yeah. Because that's what you do. It's what I do. So how are you doing? I am great. Get some business out of the way. Mystical meetups for my hypnotherapy people. November 9th, it's a Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be talking about inner child healing and womb regression healing. It's going to be really fun. And we're going to do a brief group hypnosis for womb regression. So check it out. I will leave the link anywhere you find our podcast. Alrighty then. Mm -hmm. Or you can go to my website, innerstandingshypnosis.com. There you have it. Yes. How about you? about me? What's up with you? Not what do you much. want to share? Uh, I have this like weird vein right here on my the palm of my hand. Yeah. And it's shaped, it looks like the number five. Whoa, it, it is. And the funny thing is, yeah, our middle child has the exact same vein on his left palm as well. Now I'm looking at my palm. Yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't know if I... You asked what I wanted to share. I, that's the first I, thing that popped into my mind. So there, yeah. there you go. Sweet. I don't, I, I'm holding this up. I don't think you could... You probably can't see it. Yeah. You have to look kind of close, but it's right here. Yeah. I'll try that's for to the watchers. For the watchers. Yeah. Yes. So, no. Aside from that, no. I don't really have anything else to share. We've been watching a lot of movies lately. Yes. It's that time of year. It's, you know, the Halloween season, mm-hmm. fall, winter is... Just around the corner. It's that time of year. It's when you do that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Well, I, I mean, mean, you do that we, kind we of stuff like all the time. But I mean, time, but like, especially this time of year, it's the it's the horror movie time. It's always it's, horror movie yeah, time. Yeah, but I mean, like, this is the now, time when it's yes. like, yeah, we got to just, you know, sit down and watch some horror movies. Yes, and, and we have. And, and it's enjoy been wonderful. Yes. Fun times. Mm-hmm. Fun times. So what else is going on? You got your business out of the way. Anything else happening? Anything else you want to share? I think just my hypnotherapy. Schedule a free 20-minute consult. Book an appointment with me. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. All right. Yeah. There you have it. So nothing else exciting? You haven't, like, done anything crazy Uh, or interesting that you want to share? I've been working on hypnotherapy. Am I forgetting something that happened? 
No, I just, you, oh. you always have a story or most of the time you have like some kind of a story that you just break into and, and it, I, I, was I, I can share my story. Yeah, I, I got was, assaulted by the light stand while we were setting up tonight. You, I was you, opening it up. You and assaulted it hit me. yourself. No, it assaulted me <laughs> and it hit me like right like yeah. above the eye where my eyebrow is oh, and it gosh. hurts. I'm just, I'm sitting down, I'm, do, I'm prepping to get my notes together and everything for the show. And I look over and bam, like, why did you just hit yourself in the face with the It hit me. I was opening it and it, boom, hit me in yes. the, right above the eye. So that was. I'm fun. okay You're for okay. those concerned. Thank you. <laughs> is, the, is the stand okay? That's what I want to know. Yeah, the stand's fine. I'm kidding, of course. I'll sh- that just reminded me of a story that I'll share. Okay, please. When I was a kid, I remember one time I slipped in the bathtub. And I fell and I hit my head on the tub. Oh, that's rough. And I was crying. I, you know, I was a little kid and I was crying. And I remember my dad coming over and being like, look what happened. You dented the tub. Do you see that? You dented it. And it just made me start laughing. <laughs> I don't know why, but like, however he did it, it worked. And I started laughing. So that is, that's got to be the worst when you slip in the bathtub. Everybody like. You know, when you just like kind of slip and you're just like, whoa, whoa, and you just, you, you can't balance yourself. There's nothing really, I mean, you can grab onto like the, the shower curtain or, you know, depending on how your shower's set up. But like anytime I've slipped in our tub, it's scary. Cause you just like, whoa, you, thankfully I've never fallen, but it's, it's scary when you're off balance like that. So the fact that you fell and hit your head. Yeah. Oof. One time I fell down my stairs and we had these like flat railings uh, instead of like tall railings. It, it doesn't go up at all. It's just like a little bit above the stair and it's like flat wood. And we used to like my brother and I would slide down it. It was really fun. But I f- was at the top of the stairs and I was going down and my back went like a like where the thing was like all across sliding down. Oh. And then it went boom right into the wall at the bottom oh, of the stair. On. And it hurt really bad, but I was waiting for my dad to come over and be like, you dented the wall and try to make me laugh, but he didn't. They got mad at me. Like, what are you doing? I was like, that, I was really hurt, but I was like, that did not go the way I thought it would. Yeah. Speaking of falling into walls and sleeping, remember when I fell into our wall? <laughs> yes. And, share and that I, story. And it broke the wall. Share, share the story. My ass broke a wall. He broke the wall with his ass. I broke the wall with my ass. Yes. yes. But but it 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 was it wasn't like I just like slipped and fell. I was actually trying to. I was holding our infant son. Yes. So I was trying to protect him. Mm-hmm. So I threw my body in the way, like I because the way I kind of fell and I, I was his his body. I should say the way I was holding him. I'm trying to figure out how to explain this because I know we have people watching, but people listening as well. So uh, you know, I'm holding him, and I kind of went forward, and I instinctively I didn't want you know, him to take the brunt of anything. So I turned my body and. Yeah. yeah you my, like twisted yourself. I twisted myself. So I would hit the, the, the wall. And, and then in turn, if I tumbled, I would go back first. So you wouldn't fall so forward, I wouldn't on, fall top forward of him. on top of him. Mm-hmm. And I would take, you know, the, the brunt of the, the fall and the impact. And, uh, I didn't end up falling because my ass just broke into the wall and stopped me. Pays to have a big ass. I guess, there was like a huge like indent. It was like a hole like pushed into the wall. And this is like shortly after we moved in too. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, welcome to the new house. 
break the wall with my ass. Yeah, you break it in. Yeah. So better that better was the fun. wall than, you know, our child, so. Well, yeah, of course, obviously. But yeah, it, it's a joke we have that he broke the wall with his ass. Yeah, and if you look real close, you can see where we plastered over. Yeah, I, I think we did a good everything. job. Sure. Covering it up. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Best we could. Yeah. It's it's barely noticeable. Barely. But, but you have to barely. look real close and yeah. you can see but it. But there's a story behind it. That's it. Yeah. yeah and, a, and a rather fun story. Oh, that's the cat, Yoda. Howling. I'm not up there, so I'm, she's crying for me. I just me. want to pause it because that's so aggravating. Uh, what are you going to do? Moving forward. So I broke the wall with my ass. Anyway, <laughs> moving moving on from that. Yeah, so that was that. Mm-hmm. So, okay. What are we going to talk about this week? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> this week, thanks for getting me back on track. You have here. like pages of notes uh, in your hands. I do, I do. But I, I, hope, I hope people find this interesting and fascinating, but... We, we obviously, people have been listening for a long time. We live in New Hampshire. I was born and raised here. I've lived here most of my life. I've lived in other places too, but most of my, I always find myself back in New Hampshire. I just, I like it here. And you are originally from Massachusetts, but mm-hmm. now, obviously, you live here. Yes. And you call this place your home. So, mm-hmm. one of the things that New Hampshire uh, was known for for the longest time was the old man of the mountain. Yes. We have, uh, it's called Profile Mountain, but you would drive up and for the longest time, you you get to a certain point when you're driving up 93 North, heading, heading up towards Canada, and you would look over and you would see a profile of the old man of the mountain. Mm-hmm. It looks like a man's face right there in the mountain. It's really high up. And it was always just, it's, it's on the license plate still in New Hampshire. Yeah. It was our state symbol yes. for the longest time. Well, it still is, but mm-hmm. it, but but the face itself is no yeah. longer there, unfortunately. I think that was 1945 that became New Hampshire state symbol. I, and I have a cool story that I could share. Kind of a cool story, yeah. I guess, depending on how you <laughs> how you look at it, uh, that I can share after we go into the old man of the mountain. But I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about the old man. I don't know why. I just thought about it, and I said, you know, I want to look and see. Maybe there's like some cool stories or or folklore around it, some legends around it. Just kind of never looked into the history of it before. I thought, you know, why don't we look into the history of it, see what we can find, then maybe do a show about it. So that's what we're gonna do. Yeah. Hopefully, everybody enjoys. Yes. The old man of the mountain uh, was also known as the Great Stone Face, mm-hmm. and it was first noticed and discovered. Officially, I guess, I'm sure people noticed it before, but on record, it was discovered in 1805 by a survey crew at Cannon Mountain in Franconia Notch. Now, do you have the names of the gentlemen who are credited with that Um, discovery? Let me find it. It Oh, come on. You don't have that ready? uh, Francis Whitcomb and Luke Brooks. There you have it. So those two gentlemen found it in 1805. Pretty cool. Yes. I'd say it's a pretty cool discovery. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it has a few names. It was Profile Mountain, yep. Great Stone Face, Old Man of the Mountain. Yeah, in 1850, there was a short story by Nathaniel Hawthorne, and uh, in it, he called he, well, he called it the Great Stone Face. So, yeah, it's been known by a bunch of different yeah. names. So, it's believed that it was carved into the side of the mountain through glacial erosion and weathering. And it's actually ledges. It, it's not like a carving that people might think. 
it's right. actually it, it's like ledges. Natural, is, yeah, natural. It was naturally multiple, formed. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't it's multiple like somebody ledges. chiseled it or anything. It was something that was just naturally occurring. Mm-hmm. But the the way it, it is, it's actual ledges. So it's not just like rock that makes that shape. It's a series of multiple ledges that cause it to look like that when you're looking at the profile. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, when you drive by now, I know where to look. But if you look up there, you don't see anything. So you you just you're looking at a mountain. You're not really seeing, yeah. You know exactly like what it used to be or anything. But there's it, still wasn't it, was it like his nose? It was like a lot of them. Yeah, but it, the nose was the big part. Uh, yeah, that was like a really distinguish uh, distinguishable or distinguishing excuse me feature. But it was like the nose. You could mm-hmm. see a chin. There was it. It was a man. You could see an old man. <laughs> It, it looked almost like he had like kind of like a goatee. He had like a, a prominent chin. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, like prominent chin. Yeah, so yeah, now you look up and just you don't really see anything. But I, I know where to look because I, I'm okay. I used to go up there all the time. Share your story. All right, I'll share my story. I used to go up all the time uh, when, when I was in wrestling and my best friend and I were running wrestling shows for a long time, about three years. And we would go up to Littleton, New Hampshire. So we'd pass the old man all the time. And we would go up to Littleton, New Hampshire once a month to run wrestling shows. But we were up there every weekend promoting the shows. So uh, hanging up posters and flyers, talking to people, you know, that kind of thing. Just trying to get, you know, interest for, for the wrestling show. And then we'd be up there for the show. So I was up there all the time. And I always made it a point on the way up and on the way back to look up at the old man, even at night. And sometimes at night you could see him depending on if the moonlight was right or whatever. And obviously other times it was pitch black. You couldn't see anything, but there's, there's signs on the, on the highway. So you know when it's coming up and you know when to look. So yeah, that was just a thing. It was always my thing. I always had to look at the old man and I always had to point at my buddy too. I was giving the elbow as we're driving. Cause he's, he, he usually would be the one driving. I'd always elbow. Hey, look, it's the old man. It was just like kind of a running gag, you know, it'd be like, all right, yeah, yeah, okay, old man. But it was just a thing. And so finally, we went up there the day that it collapsed. And so that was that was kind of it's kind of freaky because we went up, it was there. Hey, look, it's the old man. Yeah. And then a couple hours later, we're we're driving back because we were going up to promote a show and driving back. I'm like, hey, look, oh. Did I miss it? Where, where is he? Yeah, we, we didn't see him. And I'm like, did I miss it? What the? What did I miss? Because nobody was talking about it in, in town or anything like that. I don't know exactly when they figured out that it had fallen or whatever. But, but news of it had not really gone around yet. The next day, I remember walking into a corner store to buy a tin of Skull Wintergreen Chewing Tobacco. I used to chew tobacco and looking down and I saw the cover of the union leader newspaper and the old man of the mountain fell. Like that was like the front page. I'm like, what? And that's why he wasn't there. And that's why he wasn't there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember buying a copy of the paper, bringing it in, showing my buddy and like, we were, we were there. We missed it by like, who knows? You know, we missed it by maybe an hour or minutes. Who knows? We could have been driving. Imagine if we drove by and watched it collapse, you know, but that would have been a sight, but we didn't see it. Yeah. We, we saw before and after. So kind of, 
kind of cool, I guess, but just the fact that it's gone and there's really nothing they can do to restore it. And speaking of restoring, they knew that it wouldn't stand the test of time because it's located on Cannon Mountain in Franconia Notch, yeah. which is the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Yeah. And when you mentioned going up 93, you're going like up, I mean, pretty far. Littleton's pretty far up there. So it's up towards Lincoln. And also, side note. About, it's about it's about an hour and 40 minutes north of Manchester for yeah. anybody that's familiar with New Hampshire. Yeah, it's like hour and a half. Yeah, Man- Manchester being the biggest city in the state. Mm-hmm. But. They knew it wasn't going to last. So they actually did stuff over time with like steel rods and like quick drying cement. And they tried to put a Band-Aid on it every summer to try to prevent that from happening because they knew like at that mountain, it can, they can get high winds and just erosion and everything. They knew it would not last. And they actually hired somebody to clean it. So what this guy would do is use like water and bleach to clean out the cracks and crevices to stop molds and different like fungi and different things, anything that'll stop it from growing and spreading those cracks. And he would have to clean it every year. And they went through all these steps and spent a lot of money trying to preserve him yeah. because he is the state symbol. But what's interesting yeah. with that too is we have Old Man of the Mountain and then we have Indian Head. And so not very far from Old Man of the Mountain is Indian Head, which is actually another profile where it looks like the face of a Native American and that's how it got the name Indian Head. And I remember for the longest time when I was little, I thought it was just the same thing. I thought it just had different names because I'm like, I didn't realize there's two. Oh, you didn't know. But yeah, yeah. And, and there's a lot of rocks and there are other old man of the mountains in other states. I want to say like Ohio, Wyoming, different states have them because the rock formations make that profile where it looks like the face of a man. It's pretty cool. It is. We have, there's one also in New Hampshire that look, it's like the profile of, it looks like Benjamin Franklin. That's another one. Which one I've, is that? I've never seen it. I've never been to. I've seen pictures of it, but uh, it it it's just it's. I think it's called Franklin Rock. I'm oh, pretty cool. sure that's what it's called. Uh, apologize off the top of my head. I don't know, and I, I I wasn't prepared to talk about it, so I didn't take notes on it. But yeah, it looks like Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, and there are lesser known, less popular formations of rock that look like the face of a person. And that's pretty common. And for me, who can see faces and everything, like I'll look at something <laughs> and be like, oh, I see a face. It's kind of neat that a lot of people see those faces in the rock. Yeah. But I mean, this is like, it's not one of those like subjective things. No, like, 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 like everybody that looks at it goes, oh yeah, that's a face. Yeah. It's obviously But it's that's cool. What it that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember kind of a side note? Looking at those things, I remember you used to see them in like the mall. Those like pictures that you would have to stop and look at and stare yeah. at for a while and see if you could see like the image, the, whatever the hidden image was yeah. or whatever. Do you remember those? Yeah. Could you ever see the image? Always. I never saw it. I it would just never saw it. Take me a moment and boom, I'd see it. I would sit and I'd look, I'd stare, I'd listen to everybody around me say, "No, you just gotta just relax your eyes." Just look, and I'm, I'd always look and I go, it's squiggly lines. Like, what are you guys seeing? You remind what me of this? Ethan Embry. No, is it Ethan Embry from, or who is it? Um, Ethan Soupley so, yeah, and Mallrats. Yeah, Mallrats. Yeah, I Ethan was Supley. that guy, but I never got to see the freaking sailboat. Look, Mommy, it's a schooner. <laughs> <sighs> it's a sailboat. 
You dumb shit. It's not a schooner. It's a sailboat. A schooner is a sailboat. (laughs) Oh, well, if you stare at this poster for a few seconds, a hidden picture appears. Can we we do it? Please, please. Uh, All right, go ahead. But hurry, Easter Bunny's waiting. Wow, it's a schooner. (laughs) You dumb bastard. It's not a schooner, it's a sailboat. A schooner is a sailboat, stupid head. You know what? There is no Easter Bunny! Over there, that's just a guy in a suit! <laughs> Mall Rats, great movie. Uh, Kevin Smith, check it yes. out. Yes, but yeah, no, I never got to see it. So anyway, yeah. that's what I was saying. This is not one of those things that you look at and... No, everyone can Some see people it. see it. No, yeah, this is like, a, it's obviously that's what it looks yeah. like. But yeah, the uh, the old man, uh, the the great stone face. So I was looking and I was trying to find if there's any kind of cool stories, any yeah. kind of folklore or anything like that. And the only thing I found, and I thought it was kind of cool, was a uh, a short story that appeared in uh, the Granite Monthly. It's it was like a monthly magazine, I guess, that used to be put out in New Hampshire, well, yeah. the Granite State, hence the name Granite Monthly. And it came out in 1925, so almost 100 years ago. And it was an article entitled The Indian Prophecy. And if you'll allow me. Please it, do. It's, it's going to take a little bit of time, but I, I'd like to read it and share because I thought I'd it was just kind of I haven't. I have not heard this. So I'll share it and then, you know, we can discuss. Uh, so The Indian Prophecy by Kenneth Audler. In all nature's artistry, there is nothing so startling in beauty as her masterpieces of the great stone face and Indian head in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. That her great work contained a note of prophecy that it was an immense memorial to a dying race has never, until recently, been brought to the attention of men. Certain it is, however, from the perusal of ancient manuscripts, from the piecing together of scattered information, that the Indians although at first worshipping the profile, came later to read their doom in it, and, far from adoring the great stone face, grew to hate it. For a time, the Indians saw in the old man of the mountains what most of us see today, eternal peace, tranquility, and a lasting unconcern about the petty quarrels of men. But after the prediction of falling mountain, they came to regard it as something inevitable, sinister, and tragic. Of what tribe the Indian seer was chief is a matter difficult to ascertain. It is thought by some that he was an Abenaki who had strayed south, but the majority hold that he was either a Kusuk or a Nipmuc, probably the latter, for that was the tribe native to the White Hills. But no matter what, his blood he was greatly revered by his people who had the utmost confidence in his prophecies. This chief had derived his name from his first feat in foretelling the future. On an August afternoon, when all the braves were lolling around their little village, he had appeared suddenly from out the forest and with an unusual gleam in his dark eyes had summoned all to follow him. Through the dark pines, the little band wound its way until it attained the brow of a hill. Opposing the savages and shutting out the major portion of the sky was a huge mountain, blue and lofty. 
the chief stood upon a boulder and addressed his people in a few words. It has been given to me by the great spirit, by the God who dwells in these mountains from which the whole world is ruled, to know that very soon the side of that great hill will be torn in two. Such are the wonders in Wambakaku Mekna. And lo, even as he spoke there came a loud rumble from across the valley, growing in volume, shattering to bits the silence that had enveloped the listening Indians. There, on the blue slope of the lofty giant, was a great scar widening and running down toward the valley, barely seen through the dust of grinding rocks, hardly comprehended in the rubble that was filling the whole world. The mountain was falling to pieces before their eyes. Fear gripped the braves, and they looked at their chief, whose face was illumined with awe and triumph. Then the thunderous clamor began to die down and the dust to lift toward the sky, leaving in naked, unconcealed ugliness a great wound on the side of the mountain. It was that night around the campfire that the chief had taken his name, nor from that day had his word been questioned. At the time of the first prophecy concerning the avalanche, Falling Mountain was a young man. It was not until the chief was bowed by the weight of 70 winters that he saw the profile of the rocks. It came about in this way, leaving the camp on an afternoon in autumn, when the huge mountains were splashed with crimson and gold, he wandered until he came into a notch, a passage through the hills until now unknown to him. He was struck by the sheer heights that towered to heaven on either side, for though he had roamed the mountain country all his life, never had he seen a thing like this. Treading softly up the valley, he came upon a small pond. After lying down to drink, he rose and glanced aloft. The expression on his face suddenly became one of dismay. Awestruck, he stepped backward with his eyes fastened on the brow of a mountain, rising sheer from the edge of the pond. From the top of that steep hill, a gigantic face was peering out over the wilderness, a profile of mammoth proportions with features of serene love, eternal patience, and over the image drifted clouds of filmy white slowly turning to gold from the setting sun. Chief Falling Mountain sat down, feeling weak. He did not take his eyes from the miraculous face, but gazed at it steadily as if to fathom a great mystery. And so he remained all night making out as best he could the face of his god by the wan light of a new moon. The next day, after the sun had been up some time, the practical side of the old Indian overcame the mystic, and he walked down the valley a little way to ascertain if the face could be seen from another angle. He had walked some distance before he looked again, and when next he gazed at the mountain, the face was gone. Gone! He ran back swiftly to his first station and looked again. It was still there, and had not vanished like a vision. The fact that the profile could be seen from only one point impressed him all the more with the wonder and mystery of it. It was two days later that a scouting party of braves found him on the shore of the little pond gazing aloft at the great stone face. When the braves themselves saw it, they fell down in fear, asking their chief what it meant. He told them as best he could and directed them to return to the village and move it to this place. While they were gone, Chief Falling Mountain walked up the valley and saw silhouetted against the sky for the first time the object which he later called a finger. 
it was pointing to the profile as if the great spirit had set it up as a sign to attract attention to the face. And so the wigwams of the tribe were pitched around the small pond at the foot of the mountain. Every night the chief addressed his people and told of the meaning the great spirit had in thus carving an image of himself from solid rock. And as he spoke to these simple people, the great stone face could be seen high up, fringed with thrifting clouds, gazing down the valley, immutable, eternal. It was such a pow-pow that was broken up one evening by a young brave, Blue Jay by name. Blue Jay, dashing in hurriedly, out of breath, scared at his wit's end, pointing to the southwest, he told them all, Another face there. Look, like me, you, any of us. This report greatly disturbed Chief Falling Mountain for reasons he could not fathom. Once or twice, he had been puzzled when looking at the profile of the rocks at the thought of that face resembling a creature different from himself and from his tribe. It was the face of a man, but not of an Indian. The high forehead, the thin lips, the jutting chin, these had disturbed him secretly. And now to have this brave discover a face like an Indian's? What could it mean? He would find out on the morrow. At daybreak, accompanied only by Blue Jay, whose name was given him because of his roving disposition, Falling Mountain set out toward the southwest. Soon, the red men found themselves staring, awestruck at another face of rocks, a profile of an Indian, silhouetted on a ridge against the sky. The face was upturned with a look of appeal, of distress, of agony. The lower lip protruded and the jaw was set. Tilted back from the forehead were trees, which at the great distance appeared as feathers. A headdress, dyed with the red and gold of autumn, with the red and gold of the warpath. Once the inquisitive Blue Jay asked the venerable old chief his opinion of the marvel, but received no answer, he became still. The two walked back to the village in silence. Nor would the old prophet talk to anyone all that day. Toward night, the air became sultry, and the unaccustomed heat depressed the whole village. Darkness fell swiftly, wrapping the mountains in its shroud. Trembling gleams of lightning toward the west brightened the sky behind the image of the Great Spirit so that it was seen sharp and bold against a background of green light for a second and then plunged into blackness darker than night. The lightning increased, leaping from the finger over the brow of the profile, illuming it for an instant and then disappearing, making it vanish into darkness. By all this, Falling Mountain was greatly troubled. A storm at this time of the year was unusual enough, but to have it display the Great Spirit's handiwork with such startling effect was too much. Moreover, the memory of the Indian's profile was distinct in his mind. He could readily see that there was a difference between this face and the one to the southwest. And so he sat, smoking at the door of his teepee, staring stoically with somber eyes at the beginnings of the storm. Looking up the notch, he beheld a great V, the sides of which touched the sky, blocked up with luminous green for a second and then left black in the chaos of a universe unformed. The rumble of the thunder reverberated among the hills, echoing from mountain to mountain, and the lightning leapt from crag to crag. The storm was working itself into a fury, but in the flashes of lightning the great face could be seen, high up, 
peering untroubled with calm strength down the valley. The climax of the storm came in a blinding flash that shot a ball of fire straight out from the finger on the ridge, lighting up the whole notch in a glare as bright as noonday. Chief Falling Mountain jumped to his feet, crying out with a voice of distress. In the dark recesses of his mind, a light had flashed like the ball of fire, and he had seen clearly in an instant of time the meaning of that finger that spouted fire of the strange creature's face, peering with relentless force at the Indian's profile, staring agonized toward heaven. He recalled his people to him, addressing them in a shaking voice. The patriarch was making the prophecy of his life. He was telling them that the finger was not a finger at all, but a tool of destruction, meaning no good for the terror-stricken Indian to the southwest. Nor did the great stone face behind his back signify any good for that Indian. The great spirit had made both profiles, but the one first found was not his image. He had written a prophecy in the rocks, until now uninterpreted, With a gesture, the old man dismissed the assembled braves who collected in groups discussing this latest and strangest prophecy. The next day, when the sun was shining over the mountain world, fresh after the rain, Chief Falling Mountain gave the order to move and the little tribe filed northward. It is thought the band settled on the banks of the St. Lawrence, but whether or not that is so is a matter of conjecture. Of this we are fairly certain, that through the medium of the prophet Falling Mountain, the Indians were enabled to read the symbol of their doom graven in the rocks of Wambeket Mechna, the White Mountains of New Hampshire. To this very day, in those mountains, the symbols stand, the cannon, perfect in form and elevation, trained over the head of the old man of the mountains, the face of the white man who peers with calm, determined strength at Indian head and the features of which are preserved for all time the suffering of the Indian race. The white man and his cannon are forcing the Indians south and west. And so the prediction of Falling Mountain came to be fulfilled, long after his death, proving that he had read aright the great spirit's meaning in the eternal profiles of the rocks. Wow. (laughs) Fucking A. Wow. That's interesting. It's crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, whether or not that's, I, I don't know if that's true or not, yeah. but it's its obviously something that maybe this gentleman made up. I don't know. Possibly. It was 1925. I, I don't think that he's around to ask. So. Yeah. Probably not. Uh, it's doubtful. Unlikely. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. And, and, and it, takes into account the old man mm-hmm. and Indian head as yeah. well. So, which is really interesting because we were yeah. just talking about that. Yeah. Did did we mention that the old man the mountain his face fell in 2003? Did we say the year? I believe we did. Okay. If not, it was May 3rd of 2003. Yes. I but I, I thought remember, we did. So I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, it fell. It's it's no longer there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it's it's a symbol that's always going to be associated with New Hampshire. Yeah. Same with Indian Head. And, I mean, you have a kind of a connection with Indian Head as well. Yeah. You've been up there a bunch Mm -hmm. with your family over the years. My my great-aunt owns the Indian Head Resort. And what's interesting is... um, Right next to Indian Head is where, actually, there is kind of a tiny paranormal 
UFO Betty and Barney Hill type tie encounter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they and they have like the, the little uh, the sign uh, there that's like kind of commemorating that this is the stretch yeah. of land. This is where the, you know this stretch of road right here is where they were supposedly allegedly mm-hmm. theoretically whatever abducted by aliens because they put that sign up and i was like oh let's go find it we you know so we were looking and i'm like oh wait a minute this is my aunt's place <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like right there yeah, yeah. Go to indian head resort because you can see right from there. the resort and they have this cool like tower you can go up and like you know like the binocular things you put a quarter in they're really big yeah they had like those so you could look up at it for the Indian headman. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty it's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a little tiny bit of paranormal tie-in. Of, yeah. We can revisit Betty and Barney Hill sometime if you want. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, check out that episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was that was fun. So, yeah, that that was the old man of the mountain. And, and like I said, I did look around it to see if there was any other you know, old stories or anything like that. There really wasn't much. Not, I found one. You found Yeah, it's it's a Native American story. Okay. Can you share with us? Yes. This is from indigenousnewhampshire.com. And it's a legend that says that in the land Stoneface, a natural rock formation resembling a profile of a face of what is now Cannon Mountain, looks across the lands searching and watching over our people for centuries. And basically it goes on to talk about you know, the stone face fell and they believe that things were coming full circle. And here is why the story of stone face is that of a human being born during an eclipse and is known by the name Niz Kizos, meaning two moons among his relations taught to accomplish every task needed to survive and flourish. Niz Kizos became a good provider for and leader of his people. He had proven himself ready to attend the Kchi. Madden, which is the great gathering, to trade, see healers, reconfirm treaties among people, and possibly meet someone to start a family of his own. When Niz Kizos returned from the gathering, Tarlo, a beautiful Iroquois woman, came with him. Iroquois. Thank you, Iroquois. Their love was undeniable. Tarlo fits seamlessly into the village life. They were happy for a year until Tarlo had to go back to her birth village to help those stricken with a sickness. Niz Kizos promised Tarlo he would stay at the family's hunting camp on the mountain so that she could find her way home. Keeping his promise, Niz Kizos stood daily on top of the mountain looking for Tarlo and by night lit a fire to guide her. As the fall was ending and Niz Kizos and Tarlo did not return, the village elders became worried. They decided to send Niz Kizos' brother, Gazosa, to look for them. When he arrived, Gazosa pleaded with Niz Kizos to return to the village, but Niz Kizos would not leave the mountain until Tarlo joined him. The winter has passed. The cold and sickness have claimed many, including Tarlo and her family. Once the elders at Niz Kizos' village heard the news, they decided to send Gizosa with Anabisis to convince Nizkizos to return to the village. As Anabisis and Ginosa approached the camp, they noticed that the fire was no longer glowing on top of the mountain, as if the winter erased Nizkizos' camp and as if he had never been there. Heartbroken on their way back to the main village, they looked up to Kachi Nweska, 
the great mystery or creator, and stopped to say a prayer for Nizkizos and Tarlo. That is when they saw Nizkizos looking right back at them. His face became part of the mountain, stone face, looking over the land. Since that day, it says their ancestors have gathered to pay respect to Stoneface. And the day Stoneface fell was the day Nizkizos had finally reunited with the love of his life, Tarlo. And the great circle has been rejoined. And the wait was over. So that's a really, a, a really sweet romantic love story. And when I think of that in, contra- in contrast to what your story was about... It's really interesting because that's talking about, oh, you know, the old man of the mountain, that stone face wasn't Native American. It was something bad. But this one, it sounds like it was a nice story. It's it's interesting yeah. just the different tales that get passed down through the ages. I mean, was there ever, did, did that try you know did my story did that really happen did that indeed did my, chief exist yeah did you my know, story do really know? happen we don't know we don't know these are just things that are the passed down through passed the down. ages you know mm-hmm. i mean it could be just something that this author made up to explain the old man of the mountain yeah. who knows we you know we don't know but yeah it's it's quite interesting just the different things that are, are said and it's, and it's about the same thing and they're both coming from allegedly Native American tales, right? But there's also different tribes that were around this land as well. Right, yeah, of course. But it's just interesting the different stories that they come up yeah. with. Yeah. I mean, if that's where these came from, mm-hmm. if that's, if they, you know. And, and that's the thing because. It's, it's hard to say. Yeah. This is just what we, what we're told. It could be just somebody saying this. We don't know. And, and, exactly. You know, that's why I said where I got the information from, so. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. But pretty neat. Were you able to find anything else? Because that's all I found as far when I said earlier that I couldn't find many stories, I didn't mean I couldn't find stories like the Native American stories that we found. I was I, looking I for like, like paranormal folklore, kind of paranormal. Stuff. I really yeah, couldn't that's what find I was anything. For. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. I couldn't mm-hmm. really find anything like that either. So, not a lot of uh, paranormal type stuff around the old man, but still interesting stuff nonetheless. Yeah, and it was just—it's one of those things that it's—it's it's really tough to explain. I mean, you could find pictures of it. Like I said, it's on the license plates of mm-hmm. uh, New Hampshire and everything. I think they did stamps for it. Sure, yeah. There's, you know, I'm sure you, could, <laughs> if you've ever been to New Hampshire, I'm sure you, if you've been to New Hampshire, you know what the old man of the mountain is. But anyway, if you're not from around here, look it up and look in, and just see what it used to look like. It, yeah. It's, it was really cool. It is. And, and it was just, like I said, it was something that I always looked forward to seeing, even, even when I was in my 20s and you know, it's not like I was a little kid, but I felt like a little kid because it was like I was going to look and go, it looks the old man. What triggered you that? Know? What, just looking at it? For you to, it, to always look at it, to make that connection to it. I don't, I just always thought it was cool. Yeah. I mean, the first time I heard about it was obviously in elementary school. And I mean, I'm sure I obviously was seeing it around everywhere because it's on, like, you know, it's on the license plates. And it's, I think, to my recollection, I think it's always been on our license plates and you know, some form or fashion. I don't know. I just always was fascinated by it. I always, I just thought it was cool. Like there's a man in the, it's a man in the mountain, you know, it's a face of a man. I, it just, yeah. to me, it was always just really cool. I, all, anything, I, it could be just the fact that it's in a mountain too, I, I guess, through a lot of different things 
that I've done as far as like exploring myself and, and what makes me tick, I've always been fascinated by the mountains. Just always have been. And I mean, when we, we did our, our, the, our human design reading mm-hmm. that we did a while back, it says that my, me personally, I guess I'm most at home in the mountains for whatever reason. Yeah, you're, you're better like in terms of like your functioning. Yeah. You belong in the mountains. I, I belong in the mountains, I guess. Being on, looking at, higher elevation. I, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's just what, you know, the, if you believe in that kind of stuff. So I, I, I guess it makes sense for me because, like I said, I've always been fascinated by that kind of stuff. Always always thought like Mount Everest and people that were climbing Mount Everest. And I, I always thought that was really cool. I was, to me, it was like, wow, that's really, that's that's awesome. Like that's just, you know, you climb, I guess maybe just the, the metaphor of climbing a mountain and conquering getting to the peak of the mountain yeah. and looking out over, I don't know. I've always kind of just liked it, been yeah. fascinated by it, identified with it, I guess. So I can't say exactly why I thought this was like the coolest thing, but I just hey. did. Hey, look, Hey, look, it's the old man. Hey, look, look, old man. Check it out. I used to annoy him so much <laughs> with that. Ah, but yeah. the good old days. So, yeah, the old man fell May 3rd, 2003. Yeah. Do you want to read the thing from Daniel Webster? Yeah, so there was a cool qu- uh, quote that was put in the Union Leader newspaper. It was a Daniel Webster quote that they put uh, when the old man fell. And it was a, an in-memoriam. They did like an in-memoriam in the newspaper about the old man. And uh, the quote goes like this. Men hang out their signs indicative of their respective trades. Shoemakers hang out a gigantic shoe. Jewelers a monster watch. And the dentist hangs out a gold tooth. But in the mountains of New Hampshire, God Almighty has hung out a sign to show that there he makes men. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Webster was one of the people who made the old man of the mountain more well-known. What, by writing about it? Bringing, like, calling attention to it? What do you yeah, mean? because he was more well-known for Mass in New Hampshire oh, during yeah. his time. And, sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, through his writing and stuff like that, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, obviously, eventually it would have become... What it did, I think, you know, regardless, but, uh, yeah, I just, it's really too bad again. I know, I know I already said it. It's really too bad that it fell because it was just so cool. It's something that I wish our kids could have seen, you know, just because it's just one of those things like, Hey, look, it's old man. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's the old man of the mountain. I hope, I hope we didn't bore anybody. Yeah. I I hope people found it interesting and yeah. And we'll, we'll put, you know, some links and stuff like that. Uh, in the show notes mm-hmm. of uh, like like the the story that I read, we'll put. You know, we should play the song. Pictures. I f- it did find a song. This is actually. Let me see if I can do this while we're recording here. I might be able to. This it's a is, really good catchy song. Yeah, and this was uh, the Mills Brothers. Oh, tell them about. And it, what it's, they do. I'll, I'll I'll play the song and I'll tell after because I want. Uh, well, would it, yeah, I'm going to tell after. I'll put the video up for the watchers. I'll insert it. Okay, great. Yeah, awesome. So, The Old Man of the Mountain. The Old Man of the Mountain 
So there you go. Yeah. Mills Brothers. And and that's not a trumpet. It's not. No. For that our watchers, <laughs> you can see it's just his hand in his mouth. He's making that sound mm-hmm. just with his hand in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. Pretty neat. And that was uh it was in a, uh, a a Paramount film, a Paramount short called The Little Broadcast. And that came out in nineteen thirty three. So Kind of old, yeah. <laughs> but but good, still really good. I I enjoyed that. I thought it was really yeah. Neat. It's a catchy little ditty. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty cool. So we hope you enjoyed that too. Yeah. yeah. So that's about it. I I don't really have anything else. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I mean, you did you ever go up and see the old man? I mean, yeah, I've driven up and seen it, and then coming back saw it. Okay, so yeah. you, did you think it was as cool as I thought it was? Cool? I don't think I thought it was no. as cool as you did, but it was still cool. Excellent. All right. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you found some fun information. And again, we just like to share things like this is in our backyard. This is New Hampshire, where we're from. And it's cool to share this neat information. Because like, does everyone know about Old Man the Mountain? If you don't live in New Hampshire, or even, you know, Massachusetts, probably I mean, not. really, how many people in New Hampshire know about the Old Man? Especially now where it's been almost 20 years since it's been gone. Oh my gosh, yeah. Aside from seeing it on the license Because it plate, feels like it's been 10 years, but it's been almost it's 20. It's been almost 20 yeah. years, yeah. yeah. So yeah, aside from seeing it on the license plate, I mean, anybody, like the younger folk, anybody that's in high school now would have never seen it because mm. it was gone by the time they were, and before they were even born. Yeah. So yeah, pretty, pretty intense. Anyway, if you would like to share your thoughts with us, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter. At HomewreckerPod. We also have a website. HomewreckerPodcast.com. And we have new merch. 
We want to mention that. We got some go. cool stuff. We got some hoodies. It's autumn going into winter. We want to be cozy. So we have hoodies and sweatshirts. And we have some cool kind of swag. We have fanny packs, which is a <laughs> wrestling staple. Yeah. It, it, it's got, I mean, I still am, am really unclear as to why the fanny pack never made a comeback. I don't know why it went out of style to begin with. It's the most useful thing. It's convenient. I still have one. You do. I've had the same one now for a long time. A long time. Oh, and boy. now you can a be. A really long time. Now you can have your own with the Homewrecker Podcast logo on it. We I mean, also, they're so convenient. Yeah. So get Put one. everything in there. Get one. And we have stickers. We have new mugs. We have the mugs that we've been using to give to our guests. And we have a new mug with our family dinner picture on it. So you can get a mug and have coffee with us in the morning. Check all that out. You can find us on YouTube and Brideon if you're not already a watcher. And please subscribe and like. And if you like what, you're, what you hear with our show, tell somebody. Let other people know. That's a really big help for us. Please yeah. and thank you. And for me, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Monique Giselle underscore. And for my hypnotherapy, Twitter at Monique P-C-H-T. You can go to my website, tarotbymonique.com, and you can get Organite, incense, candles, lots of really cool stuff. Or if you're more interested in hypnotherapy, sign up for my email list and get 20% off your first session. That's innerstandingshypnosis.com. And you, my love, how can people find you if they want to? You really can't. I have a social media. I'm on Twitter. That's about it. And it's at the Alex Arion, and I rarely go on there. So if you want to reach out on there or, you know, feel free. It's cool. It's great. It might take a while before I get back to you because it might be a while before I see it. So there's that. And then uh, also alexarionfitness.com, which will be back online shortly. Very and good. And that's that. Yeah. So. Until next time, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. I am the Golden Greek Alex Arion. I've been joined, as always, by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing hypnotherapist trophy wife, the lovely Monique. And you've been listening to the Homewrecker Podcast.